God's word today, we will turn to Psalms chapter 11, verse 7, and Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, the upright will see his face once again. For the Lord is righteous, he loves justice, the upright will see his face. And then Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 to 12. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift the finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. God is righteous. God is righteous. God is righteous. For he is righteous. He does no wrong and displays his righteousness as it says in Zephaniah 3 5 he is righteous and so he enjoys doing what is right uh, righteous acts and to those who are righteous and follow his words and do right it says the upright will see his face as we just read in Psalms 11 7 so our faith is too long for the righteous word of God. In Psalms 119, 123, it says, My eyes fail looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. So it's longing, it's seeking for the word of God to the point of exhaustion. It says, My eyes fail looking for your salvation. So to the so how can someone describe their longing to exhaustion? So the life of faith of such person is to cut the cord of wickedness and do righteous acts. So the life of faith is to cut the cords of wickedness and do righteous acts. Now that is what faith life is. So today we will uh, be speaking about righteousness and acts. So um, in society, in society, people fight for peace and uh, justice and people hold and participate uh, demonstrations and um, have these placards with messages uh, uh, as they cannot tolerate injustice so they uh, bring out the social concept of fighting for justice so when we speak of justice the word justice in for lay people it may not be really important or relevant to them or not uh, of interest um, 
But for people who think they are intellectuals or especially political philosophers, um, this topic of justice is very important. And so they talk about right and wrong, about just and unjust, inequality, as well as the common good, as well as individual rights they uh, contemplate about such matters. And by uh, definition, it is not, it's really not that hard to differentiate justice and righteousness. So uh, justice is righteousness enacted. Justice is righteousness enacted. So justice is basically the enacting of righteousness. And that's uh, a definition of justice, to enact righteousness. It's, it's an action. So it's to put into action. Also, it says the expression of righteousness. So it's expressing what is righteous. And another definition uh, says it is the arms and legs of righteousness. So they are not separate, uh, but it's when you bring righteousness into movement, when you put it into action, when you enact it, that's what's considered uh, justice. So we have been speaking of God's righteousness and the people of the world uh, do not know what righteousness in God is. They understand and know of righteousness in terms of morals and ethics, and they bring uh, into political causes. And um, if there are problems or issues, they'll even uh, give, their, give up their lives fighting for this justice. Even in modern theology, um, it's not only the people of the world who participate in uh, such demonstrations, uh, but also uh, uh, churches, these denominations, uh, participate uh, in such causes, these topics like the LGBTQ. Um, so there are people who have these stances and beliefs regarding such uh, social justice issues and uh, uh, and see the need to fight for it. But what does the Bible teach us? It speaks of the righteous acts of God, his righteous actions. He delights in righteousness, so he delights in doing righteous acts. So, so, um, the, so we know of the attributes of God, and the Bible defines that God is righteous, and he delights and enjoys righteousness and doing righteous acts. And that's what we need to do, need to know when we read the Bible. So he doesn't execute this justice uh, directly himself, but in the Old Testament, we see that he uses people of faith. Uh, through these people's lives, God displays his uh, righteous acts. For instance, um, the first was Abel. He gave a better sacrifice than Cain, and by giving this better sacrifice, it was a righteous act, and he was therefore considered righteous. Hebrews chapter 11, 4 and 1 John three twelve, 
it said it mentions that Abel was considered righteous and his uh, sacrifice, this act of giving the sacrifice was considered righteous and therefore he was called righteous. And then there is um, Noah, who, Genesis, who in Genesis chapter 6, 9, it describes him as a righteous man, blameless of the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So to be walking with God, and meaning with the same purpose and goal and reason, to be walking along with God. So in order for Noah to be along with God, side by side, um, with him, uh, this was God's dispensation and plan. And according to that, he called Noah and um, instructed him to build the ark. And, uh, and then he commanded him to go into the ark with his family. And God said in Genesis 7-1, the Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. So he said, I saw your righteousness before me. And so what is it? He did as he was called, as he was instructed. He obeyed and built the ark, and that very act was what was righteous. And he, Hebrews chapter 11, 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. So for decades, he, could, uh, he continued on in building the ark and it was considered righteous. And God even says that he saw that as being righteous and people were saved by that act of righteousness. Also, Abraham was called and to give his son as a burnt offering. In James 2.21, it says he was considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. So in God's eyes, um, yes, this was the action that Abraham had shown God, which was considered righteous. Also, with Israel, there was a covenant uh, when God said, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on earth to your ancestors. So do what is right and good and that will become your righteousness. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 8, it says, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you. So also there was a prostitute Rahab who knew the army of Israel would come and invade Jericho. So when Rahab the prostitute saw the spies who were discovered, she hid uh, them and, and waited on the messengers who came looking for these spies. So then it says in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. So this was an action that later made her to be considered righteous. So even if her profession was the very 
uh, lonely life of a prostitute, she was spared. She and her family were spared uh, because uh, she did this righteous act. And because of her acts of righteousness, uh, Israel was able to have victory. And now Hebrews chapter 11 speaks of uh, the people of faith. It says, by faith, by faith, by faith this was done, and by faith that was done. So it was by faith uh, these acts were done. So according to the covenant and commands of God, um, uh, they by faith obeyed and uh, therefore were led to victory or were spared and uh, delivered. And all this is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 of these people of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 can be regarded as the chronicles of the righteous. So it could be like the hall of fame of the righteous people that you can see in Hebrews chapter 11. Then uh, there came a time uh, where there, there were no prophets or, or no one to guide them. And this was called the Dark Ages, uh, which um, was 400 years, also considered the Middle Ages. So back then there were no commands or instructions from God, but there were the self-righteous who emerged the Pharisees, and they started activities as they didn't want the land of Israel to go into ruins uh, and be destroyed. So they sought and thought of ways they could survive on their own through these self-righteous acts. So by the law of Moses they received, it was uh, easy to disobey and not keep it. So, um, so they wanted to enhance the law so that nobody could dare go against it. And therefore, uh, they eventually became enslaved to the law. And thinking they'd get rid of the people who raised problems and issues and, and plotted to maintain the numbers and so they uh, engaged in these activities. And because of this movement, even uh, keeping the Sabbath was amplified and made stricter. And uh, so people couldn't even move. They, they just stayed still. They stayed isolated and became almost like vegetables and just sat around and talked but would not move about. And that was the result of the self-righteous movement of the Pharisees. So at the time, there were about 5,000 in the land, and it brought the people to be enslaved to the law. They were changed, chained and shackled uh, to the law while they themselves were seated on their high seats and judging and uh, instructing, commanding, and not doing anything. So the people in Hebrews chapter 11 were regarded for their faith as they acted and risked their lives, and they did it by faith. 
However, in this era, everyone was brought to a, a vegetative state, staying still, not moving. And this is when Yeshua came. So they were uh, hypocritical, uh, these people. They were hypocritical as they did not commit sin outwardly, but inside they had hatred and jealousy and all these wicked things. Outwardly, however, they disguised it and would say shalom with a happy face. And this is when Jesus appeared. And uh, where did he appear? He appeared before the temple and he said, Destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. So what was contained in the temple? It was the ark where the name of the Lord is and also the stone tablets that had the law of Moses inscribed on them. So in that temple, the Lord Jehovah was there. Now they were to keep the law and then they will be spared and promised longevity. And it was the law they needed to keep in order to be blessed. But also the Pharisaic laws uh, amplified it even more. So they were trying to keep the law and most of it uh, was about do not do. Do not do. So there were lots of don'ts and don't eat, don't go, don't touch, don't do it prohibited many things. So there were many things they were forbidden from and they were also to stay still. But Jesus said, destroy this. And who is he? He is the son of God, the son of man. So the son of God came to the world as the truth and what he did, uh, his works and what he said is the gospel, the good news. So I am here. Through the truth, I will set you free. So if you know who I am, and if you believe, then you will be set free. And with this freedom, you will no longer be in shackles, no longer be changed, but you will be free and you will be put into motion and you can start moving. So you will do deeds for you know the truth and the truth will set you free and you will be moving. And that was what he meant. Now, Jesus, uh, as he started his public ministry uh, and continued, there was not a single day he rested. From uh, dawn, he didn't, he, he would pray and when night, and then he prayed to the point his sweat became like drops of blood. From dusk to dawn, he sought the sick and demon possessed and healed and cast them out. Every second he was moving and working. Now there was John the Baptist who prophesied that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come. And uh, we see that John the Baptist um, uh, was, in the meantime, was captured after he gave baptism to Jesus. So John the Baptist was in prison, but uh, but when he uh, baptized, so when he baptized Jesus, a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So, so John, he was curious 
about Jesus.、Um, and while he was in prison, he sent his disciples to check on Jesus and what he was doing. So John the Baptist's disciples went and to find Jesus and ask him,、uh, because John told his disciples to go and find him and ask him. So remember, he had performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and there were multitudes following him. So now the disciples of John the Baptist went and said, "John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come?" So are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? So they came and presented this question, and、um, and Jesus replied, "Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard." So you should. So Jesus is basically saying, "See and hear what I'm doing and saying, and listen and bring it back to John the Baptist." So because he was here as the King of Kings, the Messiah, was he being served like a king? No, that's not what he what was happening. Rather, what he was doing and saying, observe and bring that back to John. And what was he doing? Uh, he made the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So Jesus Christ's public ministry、uh, consisted of these acts. Something that John the Baptist was not able to was that he missed. But this described about the actions of Jesus Christ, the works of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is saying, bring back what he did and said, not the ideologies, not the values,、uh, but rather what he was doing,、uh, his acts. So John the Baptist, after receiving this, knew he was the Messiah, and it was the. A、uh, very dispensation of the fullness of time, and so he heard this, and he was able to die in peace because John the Baptist was sent before、uh, Jesus Christ、um, as the voice to introduce him to the people, to pave the way for him that he is the very Messiah to come. So he was there to be that voice to spread the appearance of the Messiah, and that is why it's reported he is the greatest of anyone born of woman, and there was no other righteous man given birth by woman. So, nevertheless, there were people who could not、uh, stand Jesus, and it was the scribes and Pharisees. Go back to the opening passage in Matthew chapter twenty-three. It says, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. 
It says they do not do what they do, for they do not practice uh, what they teach. That they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. So everything they do is done for people to see uh, that in their actions they be uh, that they did not even lift a finger. Um, so was Jesus saying that uh, you can just disregard the law? No, rather he said do and keep what the Pharisees instruct because it's uh, not wrong, but do not follow their actions and practices, which was not even lifting a finger. Uh, all they did was command and instruct or uh, judge. So, so their words, what they preach is correct, and is the word of God, but do not follow their actions as they don't even lift a finger and instead order people around and uh, judge them and punish them who don't follow the law. So that is why it says, do not do what they are doing. And this had a ripple effect. So they, the people hated Jesus all the more. They, they loved the place of honor at banquets and the important seats and wanted to be respected, but did not want to lift a single finger. And he said, if you want to be great, then you have to serve. If you are a great person, then you should be seated high on the throne and be served. But it says you are a servant, a slave, that the greatest among you will be your servant. So uh, they wanted to be served, but, you, but now it says you ought to move, you ought to act which is to kneel before and bow down and serve that, and therefore you'll be considered uh, righteous. And that is what Jesus is saying here, that whoever humbles uh, himself will be exalted. And not only with words, but he gave a physical example in John chapter 13. We see um, uh, he bring uh, the water so that he can wash his disciples' feet. So there was a place that he sat down and, and he knelt before his disciples with the water basin. So uh, Koreans were used to sitting down on floors, and, uh, but for um, uh, People in the West, their joints aren't used to crouching down. But the, we see here, here, Jesus was probably kneeling down when washing the feet of his disciples. And just imagine, back in the days, they didn't wear socks, just sandals and bare feet, and it was all dirty. So Peter didn't want to want his master to wash and touch his feet and was like, I should be washing your feet. But did Jesus say, you have a good conscience? No. He said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That I will have nothing to do with you if you don't let me wash your feet. So Peter uh, retracted from that and said, go ahead and wash my feet. And Jesus washed all his disciples' feet, including the uh Judas Iscariot, the betrayer, um, so even his feet were washed by Jesus. 
And Jesus said, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. That uh, I'm setting an example of what you should do as I washed your feet. So you too shall go and um, do this and wash each other's feet. So now this ritual of washing feet, Jesus, di Jesus didn't command this is to be practiced regularly, uh, but um, you could try it once and uh, actually uh, decades ago with our general staff uh, deacons, the members, there was one time I washed everyone's feet and they started to cry as it was so such a graceful moment. But it's not something we follow as a command. Uh, taking sacrament is something that needs to be followed, but Jesus never commanded to wash others' feet regularly. But uh, there are places, uh, we hear of places in the world where they even slaughter a lamb to drink the blood of the lamb. But that's not what we're supposed to do. So talking about washing each other's feet here, to wash each other's feet is about being humble, that in order to wash the feet, you have to kneel down, and meaning, you, meaning you have to humble yourself, so that if you want to be great, then you need to um, understand uh, that the greatest person is in fact being a servant. It says, uh, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So John chapter 13, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do that. So this is the order and authority of the things of God. And if you are a servant, then you will serve the master. But nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. So the messenger must serve the one who sent him. So in order to do that, you have to obey all the commands. So the messenger, the one who, and the one who sent him. So Jesus Christ was referring to himself as the one who was sent, as the messenger. He's the messenger. He is the one who was sent by the Father. Uh, so he, therefore, is to do the will of the Father, to do the work of the Father who sent him. So his public ministry was doing the work of the Father who sent him. So he was doing everything uh, the Father who sent him and wanted him to do his will and that is what the one who is sent ought to do that he that the father is the master and he is the servant uh, so whatever you do as a servant you cannot be greater than the master so 
the servant cannot be greater than the master. The disciples can never be greater than the master. And this is the given principle, the given order we see here. And so it was time for him to be captured, and it was all according to God's plan. It was, it was not because he could not avoid it or escape, but it was the will of the Father in the beginning. So in the beginning, he was with the Father as the Word, uh, and he came in the flesh as the Father sent him. The Father sent him as the Son. And that is why he is called the only begotten Son, and he is also referred to as the Son of Man. And so he is the Son of Man, the Son of God. So to do the works of the Son of Man, he was basically saying and declaring that he is not doing it because someone took it away from him, but he is laying down his life of his own accord for the will of the father he died and so he was captured and he was uh, crucified and before he died he said it is finished and what did he finish he as a son of man he finished uh, all the commands of the father who sent him and did the works of the one who sent him and it is the works of the father the works of the son he did everything so the god he is the triune god three persons the father the son and the holy spirit so why did god need the, so he was always the triune god from the beginning so why one two three persons because the what in order for there to be the one who sends for the father sends and the one who is sent is uh, the son. So the one who, the one sent to do this work as the son of man was to die in the flesh. And that is why he is called the son as well as the son of man. So the son is here to do work, to act. How? To bow down in obedience and he completed it all. There is no event that can make him kneel down again. And so he, that is why he entrusted his soul to the Father. And he completed it all, amen, hallelujah, and said, it is finished. And it is the work of righteousness, the work, righteous work, righteous work. So the work of the righteous or actions of righteousness, the righteous acts. So now he died after he accomplished this. And um, so it was the devil who deceived man. He is the ruler of the air, the prince of this world, and um, reigning and leading uh, this world uh, to destruction, to hell. Uh, this devil was condemned and as Jesus died um, he redeemed all mankind's sins and he was freed all men from the price of sin he accomplished this with his death and the blood that he shed the so those souls who received the sprinkling of his blood 
are now justified by faith. They are now made righteous by faith. In the book of Romans, it describes as the gift of righteousness. So Romans chapter 5, verse 14. Romans chapter 5, 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. So it says here, one act of righteousness and one act of condemnation. So who was that? It was Adam, the first Adam. So just like one act of sin from the first Adam was condemnation for all men, so everyone was condemned to the eternal fires of hell, so also the result of one act of righteousness brings life to all men. So the one act of righteousness of Jesus Christ was the justification that brings life to all men. So through the first Adam, sin and death entered. When what did he do? It was disobey, disobedience. That God said to not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but uh, he disobeyed. Because of who? So you have to understand uh, that there is the original sin, um, and we have to acknowledge that. So because of the sin, everyone was headed to hell. But because of another Adam, that is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So now we need to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So... It is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. So the first man, Adam, and the last Adam. So the first man, Adam, is the ancestor of all men, and the last Adam is Jesus Christ. So the first Adam, he disobeyed, and because of this act of disobedience, sin entered, and now... All mankind were to pay the price of that sin. But then it says another Adam uh, or the last Adam. And who is this referring to? It is referring to Jesus Christ. Why is he referred to as Adam here? Because the first Adam is the living being. It's the spirit in the flesh. And he has the function to live. The spiritual being with the function to live. But there is another Adam who is the life-giving spirit. 
the another Adam, the last Adam, is the life-giving spirit. He gives life. He is the life-giving spirit. So the last Adam, another Adam, is a life-giving spirit. He is a living spirit. So the first Adam is a living spirit, and the second Adam is a life-giving spirit. The soul has the function to live, but because the living spirit did not eat life but death, it was destined to death, to go to hell. But because Jesus himself is life, so why is Jesus life? In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So in him was life. In who? In the Word there was life. So the Word became flesh, God became flesh, Spirit became flesh, life became flesh. Life became flesh. So Jesus' body is life, and the blood that came from him is life. So Jesus Christ took the sins of the first Adam. That he, the, It was the second Adam, Jesus, who paid the price, and uh, his blood is life. That, and he gave his blood to the first Adam to drink so that he can be made alive. Hallelujah. And this is an act of righteousness. An act of righteousness. That this action is an act of righteousness. A righteous act. And so God, he does not just sit on the throne and say still, but he moves, he acts. Uh, so in order to die, he needed to come as the Son of Man. And it was the Father who commanded this so that the Son can act. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, had fulfilled and obeyed uh, the command of the Father. And whoever believes in this righteousness and knows that Jesus Christ alone is the righteousness of God, and he alone is righteous, to such he gives them his blood and makes them righteous and gives them life. Amen. So it's here, right here in the Bible, recorded everywhere in the Bible. It's in here, and you need to find and you need to connect the attributes of Jesus Christ. So then, for just a... For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous, as it says in Romans chapter five nineteen. So obedience and righteous act are considered the same. So a righteous act and obedience are the same. Amen. So because Jesus Christ. Uh, because of his righteous act, he, the Father raised him back to life. Like he, it was not, so it was God's command that brought him back to life. It was not automatic, but the, by the command of the Father, um, commanding Jesus to rise, 
It was at that command Jesus obeyed, and he was risen, and he ascended to heaven. Hallelujah! So now he is seated on the throne, and never again will he be commanded, as he is the King of Righteousness, the King of Righteousness, the King of Kings. And days later, he sent the Holy Spirit, and who does the Holy Spirit come to? To the righteous souls who receive the blood of Jesus. So to those who have been made righteous by his blood, the Holy Spirit enters. So if you have the Holy Spirit, say amen. So you can't fake it. You really have to be sure. You have to be confident and have faith that you have the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the blood of Jesus? Because if you do not have his blood, then you have no life and you will go to hell. Amen. So therefore, we must have the blood of Jesus, have to accept and receive and be confident and confirm that you have it, that we have to feel it and, and be confident. And that is why the Holy Spirit came. Hallelujah. So if you have the blood of Jesus, then you are a spirit made alive. Your soul is alive and your body is also alive. Amen. So if you are alive, then what do you need to do? You have to act. Hallelujah. So now the Holy Spirit came and we see what happened illustrated in Acts. So Acts records the actions of the righteous. It's called Acts, the book of Acts, and is the actions recorded of the righteous people. So when not spiritually inspired and you're feeling low on spiritual inspiration then you should read the, the book of Acts and some people say they read the book of Proverbs but of course um, yes uh, that's a book of the Bible you need to read but if you feel like you're spiritually depleted or not spiritually inspired then you should read the book of Acts as uh, uh, it springs up life in you as you read the acts of the righteous, the acts of the followers of, who, of Jesus Christ. So, so the ransom was paid and the followers of Jesus, the disciples and the apostles from Judea, Judea to Samaria were bringing this gospel to the ends of the earth and like wildfire it was just spreading the good news was spreading to to the ends of the earth hallelujah so uh, say I am a Christian that you believe that Jesus Christ alone is the righteous one and so if you have this faith if you believe then your life should follow with righteous acts. Amen. So righteous acts, righteous acts. So those who do righteous acts, what they do is first on the Lord's day. So the first day of the week, what do we do? We gather in the name of Jesus. So from your house, you're moving to come here to gather in his name to give worship and this is a righteous act to come to the lord's day service so in revelation 15 4 uh it describes uh righteous 
faithfulness of God revealed in all fall down in service. So service, worship, proskuneo, which is to see the face of the Lord, to see the face of God. That is what proskuneo is. That is what worship means. And then latreia means service as well, but uh, it means more specifically serving your brothers and sisters, serving church. So in this worship time, it's and service it's all in one it's it's so you you give worship you seek the face of the lord you see his face and you also serve one another in service and the beginning of this righteous act ought to be at the beginning of the week on the lord's day and it's with righteousness so and it says it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So we put aside, we lay down all the old habits and worldly ways, but only by righteousness we live godly lives. So our lives, um, we ought to move with righteousness. And third, we are to testify about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So um, we see that um, uh, some people, how some people are, uh, they talk about social justice and uh, especially the Roman Catholics and uh, those in, in modern theology, um, they, they go out to the streets and demonstrate. In Korea, we see the anti-LGBTQ demonstrators uh, before City Hall in Seoul, and thousands of people are there. So if our church was in Korea, do you think we should be partaking in this um, movement? So what do you think about this? No, I don't. We ought not to be part of that. And whenever I see that, so I'm not talking about the people who are there, but the people leading this movement and uh, the people inspiring and moving them out there. It's become a culture for the young people who talk about human rights and such. So there are demonstrations and, and uh, people are beaten and they're captured and even die doing such activities. But do you think they can say that I was fighting for the righteousness of Jesus and I can be saved? No, these are just efforts for social justice and because they do not yet know what the true righteousness is. So if you know Jesus Christ is righteous and the Holy Spirit comes and confirms that, then it's for us to go and testify of Jesus. So testifying about Jesus is the righteous act. And who is he? He is righteous and has nothing to do with sin. He does not know sin, but because of mankind's sins, he died in our place. And that is what we are supposed to be testifying about. But we see with modern theology, when they are, cap they are captured and they think it's an honor, that's just wasting time. We have to discern what is right uh, and what is wrong. We have to discern what is truth from lies. And lastly, Jesus came back and he said, you will inherit my kingdom. And that 
Those who take care of me will be considered righteous. So Jesus said, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters. So for what you did for those brothers or sisters who are in pain or hardship, what you did for those brothers is considered righteous and done for Jesus. So those going to hell, not knowing where they are headed, preaching to such uh, souls and being persecuted, now that is an act of righteousness. So, and those doing this will inherit his kingdom. So to some things up in James chapter 2 James chapter 2 verse 14 what good is it my brothers and sisters if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save them suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food if one of you says to them go in peace keep warm and well fed but does nothing about their physical needs what good is it in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That faith without action is dead. So in our church, some uh, people say that we are uh, legalistic and that Pastor Kang is very legalistic, meaning I command and enforce to keep the commands and um, and everyone is pushed and forced to be obedient in submission. But this is a misunderstanding. Uh, law of Moses is the word of God given through the lips of Moses. The words of Jesus Christ is the gospel, is the truth. And the Holy Spirit who speaks to the churches is the word, the gospel and the truth. In James, it says here, the Holy Spirit is teaching and preaching to disciples. So if there are no actions, then it's dead faith. If there is no works, then it, the, that faith is dead. So the law of Moses is, isn't what I'm talking about. So it is Jesus Christ commanding the words. Jesus Christ is the truth and the gospel. And if that is the case, then we need to keep this. So if you have no actions, you have no works, then your faith is dead. A dead faith is when there are no actions. There are no works that follow. It says, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? And then it says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. And as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So I am righteous, I have the blood of Jesus. Yes, we have received and accepted it. It didn't take us any work and we just received. However, the kingdom of heaven is not free. That faith is not free, that you, there ought to be deeds. Amen, amen.
So you, if if you just say I believe, I believe, but there is no work or no deeds, then that faith is dead. You are already dead, and you have deceived yourself. So uh, today, what we are talking about in this time and day, we are so grateful that we are listening and hearing this. The the time of the gospel. So if we were born in the time of the law of Moses, if we disobeyed and didn't keep a command, we would be put to death and not given another chance. Now, this in this era of the Holy Spirit, we have been given uh, redemption and given this life and made alive. And as we are alive, we must receive his word as command and we ought to obey to be filled with his life so that we can enter the resurrection to life to be found before the king of righteousness living as the righteous hallelujah so if i had been born during the time of the law do you think i would have made it survive no i probably would have died in the first round and not not last long the first moment I lay my feet in the desert, I would have been struck dead. I would have said, oh my God, I'm thirsty and my legs hurt. I can't stand it here. I would have been put to death right away. But somehow I was born in the era of the Holy Spirit and all you have to do is believe and your sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. Because of the sins from the first Adam, but the second Adam has taken care of those sins, that he died in our place. So if you believe, you are justified and are forgiven. So we are in hallelujah army, meaning uh, we are Christ's action squad. So he doesn't drag us and force us uh, in fear, but we ought to do this in righteousness and joy.